Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles, remain standing for just a moment, and turn with me to Mark chapter number two. Mark chapter number two. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get back into our series uh, in the book of Mark. Uh, most of you know we took a break in the holiday season, and uh, we just put a pause on there, and, uh, and, and now we're ready to get back and get back in the groove, get back to normal, and, and, and whatever that means. Amen. Mark chapter number two, uh, I want you to turn with me to verse number 18. Verse number 18, uh, I, you could probably, you could probably call this, uh, the beginning of the end. Uh, you could, you could title this the day that Jesus picked a fight. Uh, there, there are so many, so many things that you could call this, but this is truly the beginning of the end. We are fixing to see what started the process or what instigated the hatred and the vitriol that came with the Pharisees, the religious crowd, against the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're with me, say amen. amen. You got to understand. Well, anyway, let's read and I'll let you sit down. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 2 and verse number 18. We're going we're gonna to continue reading through chapter 3 to verse number 6 because it, it's the same thing. Uh, it's, it's connected here, okay? And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say unto him, Why do thy disciples of John, or excuse me, the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. No man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the the Sabbath day. And his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, have you never read? I mean, that's like a dig. I mean, when you, when you, when you say, haven't you read the word to a scribe or a Pharisee, that was what they were supposed to be professionals at. Have you never read what David did when he had need and was hungered? He and they that were with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest and gave also to them, which were with him. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the son of man in reference to Jesus is Lord also of the Sabbath. And he entered again. He, he just ain't through poking the bear. He's just got to do it again. <laughs> he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto man which hath the withered hand, stand forth. Say, come here. 
And he saith unto them, talking about the religious crowd, the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with that word, if you will dig that word and study that word, it literally means fury. In other words, Jesus wasn't just upset. He was furious with this group. And the Bible says he looked on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. He saith unto the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. Now watch. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might. Okay, it's not, it's not good to heal on the Sabbath day, but I can plan somebody's murder on the Sabbath day. Do you see how warped their mindset has become? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm so grateful and thankful for a great crowd this morning. I'm so thankful that you are faithful. I'm so, <laughs> Lord, you're way more faithful to us than we are to you. And Lord, I'm so glad for your forgiveness and your mercy. I'm so glad for your help and your encouragement, even your conviction, and, and, and Lord, your chastening. Lord, I pray right now that you'll touch all of us. Help us to, to, to really receive the truth here this morning. God will be careful to give you the glory and give you the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. You may be seated. Let me, let me, let me, set, a little, <clears throat> let me set a little background and then we'll do a review of, of the early part of chapter 2. That way you can remember what we've already discussed and talked about. You have to understand that God gave his word, his law to the nation of Israel and his law was good. I need a witness. His law was good. His law was righteous. His law was holy. And, and so we, we have to ask the question, then what happened? What happened? What happened to Judaism? What happened to the worship of God through the nation of Israel? How could they go to be so close to God and so right with God and have the word of God and the presence of God in their midst to now it is a false religion. It is a completely wicked, completely evil system of self-righteous works religion. They left faith a long time ago. So how did it get that way? Why, why was it possible for Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, to come into his own and his own? How could they not recognize him? How could they not recognize? How could they not remember all of the prophecies that he fulfilled the day he was born in Bethlehem, all that came to pass and was true? How, how is that possible? Well, I, I want to give you a little illustration, and maybe this will help us out. 
And this is what Jesus had to deal with and what the people had to deal with. All right, this is just a, an illustration of the law. God's word, or, or let's put it this way, God's set of rules. Are y'all with me? Can everybody see that? Y'all see that right there? Everybody see that up, up on the shelf? Y'all see that? Everybody? All right, now watch this. Man, man decided that God's law was not enough. We needed some more laws and some more rules so that we will be able to follow his law. So, so they developed the, what's called the Mishnah. This is the Torah, the God's law. And then this is the Mishnah. And so they come up with all of these rules to help you follow these rules. Can anybody see a problem with this? You remember, you remember when, yeah, I ain't going to lie, this thing's heavy. <laughs> what, did, what did Jesus say to the disciples and those that were following? He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are what do you think he was talking about? He was talking about all of those man-made laws, all those man-made rules, what was called the tradition of the fathers. And you say, preacher, are you mean to tell me that God, Jesus broke God's law? Not one single one of these. But he was steadily... It was like... Hey, y'all, watch this. You say, why was he so upset at this? Because tradition, look here now. I know I'm speaking to Baptist folks in the South. There's been so many church wars and church fights and church squabbles. Because over the years, we've added one tradition after another tradition, after another rule, after another law, after another, after another, so that when someone comes and say, really, is that that big a deal? Let's try it this way. What? We've never. Hello. I really didn't mean to get into that, that like that, but... While we're here, can y'all see the problem? And because this became more important than the word, let, let me read what Jesus said about it. In Mark chapter number seven, and I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just all over the place this morning, so don't even worry about any kind of order. We might go to point three and go backwards, amen? But this is what Jesus said about this. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, this is a whole other situation. Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders? In other words, let me, let me put it the way they should have said it. How come they're not keeping our rules? How come they're not keeping our laws? Y'all with me say amen. He answered and said unto them, well, hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. 
as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Why, why, is there, why does he say their heart is far from him? How be it in vain, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine or, or for the truth, teaching for doctrines the... They, they done put this aside. This was thrown in the closet. God's true word, God's true law was totally ignored and just so they could keep their own commandments. Hello? For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and of cups and many other such things. Read it with me. And watch this now. And he said unto them, Full well, ye reject the commandment of God, read it with me, that ye may Watch what he says in Matthew 23. For they bind heavy burdens. Y'all with me? Heavy burdens and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders. This is the hypocrisy but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Now, why do they do all that they do? Why did they create all of these laws? Look what it says. Read it with me. But all, read it with me. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Did y'all catch that? Why? <laughs> I, I, I grew up in a legalistic movement. I mean, more rules than Jesus. <laughs> why is that so popular? Why do, why do self-righteous people cling to that? Because they can say, look at all the rules I'm following and you're not. The Bible says that they did what they did to be seen of men. In other words, they were wanting glory. Look how righteous I am. Look how holy I am. Look how right with God I am. You remember what Jesus said about the Pharisee in the temple and the publican in the temple? The publican was on his knees, bowed before God and begged to be forgiven as a sinner, have mercy on me. And the Pharisee standing over here, God, I'm, lie. I'm glad I ain't like him. I fast twice in the week. I give this and I do that. Just, I'm so glad I'm not like him. What did he do? All those rules gave him the ability to compare himself against someone else. But the problem is, is you're not going to be compared to the poor publican. You're going to be compared to a holy Christ and you're going to look pitiful. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. <clears throat> oh, I would never do that. You sure? You, you, you ain't never looked at somebody in here and said, boy, what in the world she wearing? I can't even believe they'd act like that. Don't they know they're going to church? This ain't Walmart. One day, let me tell you, this is, this, is, this is how we do it. 
I've been guilty of it. I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you. I've, I've been judgmental myself. And got caught up in, you know, God just pile drives you. We had a, had a, a kid come in here with a, a ball cap on. First time attender. Sat, sat right over there in that area over there. Well, we had, we had an older gentleman in the church, been here a long time, was upset. Came to a staff member and said, hey, go tell him, take off his hat. Now, uh, here, here's the thing. Okay, we have a problem. Because over here, we have a tradition. We have a cultural norm. Especially here in the South, when a gentleman goes into a, 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 a residence or into a, a house, they will always remove their hat. That is a cultural deal. And I know you want to pull out, you want to pull out. Well, the Bible says a man shouldn't pray with his head covered. That's true. The man wasn't praying. He was sitting and watching the service. Y'all with me? And, and, and so here we have a cultural norm. But over here, we have a young man who's never been to church. He don't know no different. He's going to wear a ball cap wherever he goes. It doesn't matter where it is. He may have something wrong with his head for all we know. And, and, and so what happened with this, this gentleman and his culture and his tradition, his tradition became more important than the, the, the condition of the man's soul. And that's what we're going to see. That's what we're seeing. It's, it's more important that this, this kid acts like me than it is to make sure that we don't offend this man and give him the truth of the gospel. Are y'all with me? Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't come to say none of that, but I'm glad I did. Because it's easy to get judgmental. It's easy to compare your preferences or rules or convictions with somebody else and start thinking you somebody. I'll give you another one. I'm going to tell on myself. That way I ain't got to pick on y'all. When we were in this building right here, this building wasn't here. We were building this building over here. We called it the blue, the blue building because the carpet was blue and the seats was blue. All those seats up there was over here. That's putting in the carpet. <clears throat> I come in the building, and the guy putting the carpet was kneeling down over there by them, them two doors over there. And I walked over there, and uh, he looked like, like a souped-up version of Steve. <laughs> I mean, had earrings everywhere, uh, 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 bushy hair, and, and, and long, shaggy beard, and, and rings on every finger. Motorcycle guy. Yep. Harley Davidson stuff, everything. Well, my first thought is, this man needs salvation. <laughs> Why? Because when I was growing up, if my hair touched my ears, my dad would tell me, son, I'm either going to buy you a purse or a dog collar. <laughs> that translates, go get your hair cut, son. Do I have a witness right there? So my culture and my tradition equated righteousness with how short your hair was. And I go to this man. I'm trying to figure out, now how am I going to bring up Jesus 
with a ruffian like this. And I go and I start a conversation with him. And I say, I say, man, I tell you what, we had a church service yesterday. And he stopped and he got, his eyes got real big. He turned around and looked at me. And this is, I'll never forget what he said. You did, we did too. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he began to tell me about their service. He began to tell me about how God was moving in the service and people. And he started, his eyes started welling up with tears. And you say, did you get emotional? No, I got convicted. The more he talked, the smaller I felt. Say, what'd you do? I went back to my office and got right with God. Hello? I'm afraid sometimes we as Christians, we, we're more like the Pharisee than we are the publican. And we don't even realize it. Now watch this. Why did this start the fight? Why, why did this cause such trouble? Let me, let me give you three things and we'll, we'll pray. First of all, I want you to see the accusations that are made. The accusations that are made. If you're taking notes, there's really, there's really three things <clears throat> that we see. Uh, Jesus has already, he's already started, okay? Because earlier in the chapter, earlier in the chapter, in verse number 10, he, he, he heals a man. You remember when they tore the roof off the house and lowered the guy in? Y'all remember that in verse number 10? And, and he looks at him. Instead of just saying, uh, take up thy bed and walk, what does he say? He pokes the bear. He says, son, your sins are forgiven you. Oh, my goodness. Did y'all hear what he said? What in the world is he doing speaking these blasphemies? Watch this now. This is great. Only God can forgive sins. It's not written, but I believe Jesus under his breath said, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> What's he doing? He's laying out hints of who he is. He said, listen, I could have easily just said, take up thy bed and walk, but I needed you to know that I have power to forgive sins. What's he saying? I'm God. I am deity. Oh, by the way, son, take up your bed and go home. And he did. Now, I'll be honest with you. Some of this puzzles me a little bit because if I seen a crippled guy that's crippled like that all that time and, and, and a man says, you're fixed and he's fixed and he gets up and walks away, I'm going to have to believe him. But they didn't. Because this will tell you how, how blind you become when you get caught up in legalism. Well, the very next thing happens. First, he, he, he teases them with that statement. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus says, son, thy sins are forgiven you. So he's throwing that out there. And so the very next moment, I think in verse number 11, now he calls a sure enough notorious sinner to follow him. Who is it? Matthew, you remember? He comes to the tax collector. You remember? Tax collectors were hated. They were hated. They were despised. They were thought to be unsavable. And so what does Jesus do? 
He just does the opposite of what they would have done. Goes to him and says, hey, come follow me. Not only can I forgive sinners, I'm going to show you how it's done. Matthew, come and follow me. And here it is. They just throwing their hands up. This is scandalous. Because see, their religion had become in such a form and such a way that they would not be, they wouldn't be caught dead in the same house with a sinner. They were to be separated. They were dirty. They were, they were unclean. They were foul. They were wicked. A righteous man wouldn't hang out with that type of people. Man, how, how far they had left the word. And now Matthew throws a party, throws a dinner, and he invites all his notorious sinner friends. Y'all with me? You see what Jesus is doing? He's instigating it. He is, a, now watch this now. Here's what you got to get. Jesus is not, what is Jesus doing? He's attacking this. He never broke one of God's laws. Matter of fact, he's the only one that ever fulfilled them completely perfectly. You remember what he said? I didn't come to destroy the law. I came, the law's good. There's nothing wrong with being, with, with being uh, strict when it comes to following the word of God. You need to be, you need to be strict and narrow-minded and follow the word of God. But when you start adding all of these things, Jesus started attacking their tradition. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now that's what brings us to where we are. And I'm going to go fast because I took too much time in the introduction. Y'all didn't listen fast enough. Watch this. Here we are. Let's go. Let's, let's just run through it. He said he has power to forgive sinners. He forgave Matthew. Now they're, they're eating. They're celebrating. They're spending time. The sinners are so glad that the Lord is spending time with them, but it causes a problem. First, they don't even like him hanging out with them. So what did Jesus say? I didn't come for the, the healthy I'm a physician and I came for the sick. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch. And the disciples of John and the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? Now let's really translate that. Why aren't they doing what we're doing? Why didn't that kid take his hat off like I do? Why don't they follow the same rules that I follow? Why don't they have the same, and we'll call it convictions to make it sound spiritual, but it's really preferences. Say amen. Watch what Jesus says. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride, well, let me just give you the three and then we'll come back and talk about them. First accusation was a lack of fasting. Why don't they fast like we do? Then they were going through the fields. They were going through the fields on the Sabbath day and his disciples were hungry. So they started picking food and eating it in the fields because in, in, in that day, the, the traveling paths and the traveling roads would crisscross across people's fields 
And God made a rule, God made a rule in Israel when they go into the promised land that when you plant a crop, that people who are traveling or people that are just hungry, they can go in and they can pluck and eat right there. Now you can't go in there and harvest, but if you're hungry, an individual can go and they can take and eat to, to, to satisfy their hunger in the moment. If that makes sense, say amen. That was the law. That's what God said. And so that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And they say, why are they breaking the Sabbath? And I'll come back to that. And then the next accusation is really Jesus instigated it when he was in the synagogue. And here's a man with a withered hand. And see, all of this has led up to Jesus just. He said, let me ask y'all a question. Here this man is in a bad shape. Here this man is in a, a sick condition. Is it, is it good to heal him on the Sabbath or evil? Boy, it just caught him in a catch 22. And this Bible says they didn't say nothing. Jesus looked at him with anger. And I'll tell you why in just a second. And he healed the man. So they're mad because they're not fasting. They're mad because they are eating grain on the Sabbath day. And they're really mad because they healed a man on the Sabbath day. Can y'all see why Jesus had such an issue with them? Now watch. That was the accusation. B, or number two, write this down. I want you to see the argument. Jesus responds, Jesus responds to their accusation. And we'll take them one at a time. First of all, when he, say, he talks about the fasting, he talks about the fasting. He said, they said, why don't they do what we do? Why don't they do what we do? You see, they fast, they would fast a lot, two times a week usually, and all that was was to be seen of it wasn't spiritual. It wasn't to gain the favor of God. It was to look at everybody can look at them and say, look how spiritual and holy they are. Do you realize there was only one fast that was ordained or commanded in the Bible, commanded in the Bible, and that was the fast on the day of atonement? No other fast was commanded. God doesn't command you to fast. He nowhere, but they are saying, we do. We do. And, and why are you not doing what we're doing? Now, we're, it's okay that you've got a, a group of followers here. It's okay that you're teaching something kind of new, and, and it's okay. We'll just kind of add that to what we're doing. But why ain't they doing what we're doing? Well, Jesus responds. First of all, he says, can the, can the, the, the bride party? And he, and he uses the illustration of a, a wedding ceremony. Now, now, guys, when we have weddings, we usually have the wedding and a, a reception right after, and it's over. Not then. Son, they would get it on. Seven days they would celebrate and party. It was a joyous occasion. It was a joyous celebration. And he said, listen, the bridegroom is here. How in the world are you going to expect them to mourn and to fast during a time of celebration? Are y'all with me? Now watch, let me tell you what that means. The bridegroom term comes out of the Old Testament. God was considered the bridegroom. Israel was considered the bride. Israel was the wife of God, if you will, in the, in the picture sense. And so when Jesus said, how can the, how can the, 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 the bridegroom, how can when he is here, how can they, those that have come for the celebration, 
That is his disciples. How can they fast and mourn? So what was Jesus doing? Not only in the house when he said, thy sins are forgiven you, he is claiming to be. Now when he's claiming to be the bridegroom, once again, he's throwing out the hint, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am the promised one. They're going to fast one day when I'm taken out. But how can they fast while I'm here? And see, once again, he's trying to show these Jewish religious leaders, you're missing it. The one that you're supposed to be waiting on is standing right in front of you. And you're missing it. But then he says this. Then he says this. This is what's intriguing. He brings up and he, he illustrates the, the wine, the old wine or the old wine bottle and the new wine bottle and putting new wine in the old wine bottle. Now, what is that about? Well, in that day, in that day, they would use goat skins, all right? They would use goat skins to use as a bottle. And when, it, when a goat skin is new, it's pliable, it's flexible, and, and, and you put the, the wine in it, and, and so when the wine ferments, what's it do? It swells, it expands. Now, when, when the, new, the new skin is flexible, it's pliable, it moves. But after a while, when it's old, it dries out and gets brittle and hard. And if you put something into it, if you put new wine into it and it begins to ferment, it will expand. And what happens? It breaks. It breaks. Then he says this. Then he says this. If you're going to have new wine... You have to have it in a brand new bottle. And then he says this. He says, you don't take a piece of new fabric. Now, what that means is unshrunken. That if you wash it, it's going to shrink. He says, if you take a garment that's got a hole in it, and it's already, you can wash it anytime you want to. It's already shrunk to whatever it's going to be. And you put a new piece of uh, cloth on that and sew it in. When you wash it, that cloth is going to shrink and it's going to, it's going to tear. So you don't put, watch this now, this is where we're going. You don't mix something that's old with something that's Now, what is the point? What he's trying to tell these people is that he is bringing forth the gospel. And the gospel is brand new. The gospel is standalone. You cannot mix the gospel with anything. These scribes and Pharisees was wanting to keep their old way of life. They were wanting to keep their way of Judaism and just mix in a little bit of this new teaching. And Jesus says, you cannot mix it. It stands alone. The old is gone and the new is here. Does that make sense? Say amen. Now let's continue. I'm 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 a hurry. All right, that's the response to the fasting. Listen, they don't have to fast just like you. I'm bringing a brand new thing in here. Now, what in the world are they doing eating on the Sabbath? Now, watch some of these rules. Y'all going to get a kick out of this. Y'all going to get a kick out of this. Here, here's some here's some rules for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was intended to be a day of worship and rest for God's people under the old covenant. The word Sabbath itself is derived from the Hebrew term Shabbat, and that's what it's still called over there today. 
It just means to rest, to cease, or to desist. On the seventh day of each week, the Israelites were to refrain from working in order to focus their attention on honoring the Lord. And over the ensuing 15 centuries, from the time of Moses to the ministry of Jesus, the Sabbath accumulated a vast number of additional, remember that book back there? Additional rabbinic rules and burdens. Now watch this. No less than 24 chapters of the Talmud focus on Sabbath regulations meticulously detailing the almost innumerable specifics of what constituted acceptable behavior. Now watch this. God said, okay, God said, rest. That's what he said. That was the law. Guys, I need you to rest. So they decided to write 24 chapters. To make sure you rest. Y'all with me? Watch this. Here's some of the rules. Almost no area of life was spared from the fastidious Sabbath regulations of the rabbis, which were designed to gain God's favor. There were laws about wine, honey, milk, spitting, riding, getting dirt off of clothes. Anything that might be contrived as work was forbidden. Thus, on the Sabbath, scribes could not carry their pens, tailors could not carry their needles, or students could not carry their books. To do so might tempt them to work on the Sabbath. For that matter, carrying anything heavier than a dried fig was forbidden. If the object in question had been picked up in a public place, it could only be set down in a private place. If the object were tossed into the air, it had to be caught with the same hand because if you caught it with the other hand, you worked. <laughs> to catch it with the other hand would constitute work and therefore be a violation of the Sabbath. No insects could be killed. Couldn't kill a roach on the Sabbath. Y'all with me? No candle or flame could be lit or extinguished. Nothing could be bought or sold. No bathing was allowed. You stunk on the Sabbath. Say amen. Since water might spill on the floor and accidentally wash it. No furniture could be moved inside the house since it might create ruts in the dirt and thereby constitute plowing. Yeah, this is all in their rules, guys. An egg could not be boiled even if all one did was place it in the hot desert sand. A radish could not be left in salt because it would become a pickle and pickling is work. Sick people were only allowed enough treatment to keep them alive. Any medical treatment that improved their condition was considered work and therefore prohibited. It was not even permissible for women to look in a mirror since they might be tempted to pull out any gray hairs they spotted. That's in, it's in there, guys. Now watch this. Ladies, you couldn't even wear jewelry because most jewelry weighed more than a dried fig. Now there were several more pages. I just put the first page because I, I, I knew we wouldn't have time. But it was rule after rule after rule after rule. And Jesus said, what have you done? It was supposed to be a blessing. The, the, this 
listen, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. The, the, the Sabbath was supposed to be a blessing. It was supposed to be a, a time of refreshment. But you have created so many rules, it's become a burden. Are you all with me? And so when they're out here, and by the way, they didn't break the law. They didn't break this. The disciples, when they were out there picking grain, because it was according to God's law, they could do that. But what did they break? Their traditions and their law. First thing Jesus did is he brought up precedence. He brought up precedence. He said, didn't you read what David did? David was running from Saul, running for his life. They didn't have any food. They were going to die because they didn't have any food. And they stopped by the temple, and, or not the temple, but the tabernacle. And they took and was given bread that was really by tradition and by rules they were not supposed to have. But it was an emergency. It was an emergency. And so David ate the bread that technically you wasn't supposed to. So didn't you read that? He said, not only that, you don't even realize the Sabbath was for a blessing. It was to be good to you. You worked hard for six days and God was saying, you, now you have a time to But you've added all these rules and all these regulations and all these laws till you can't do anything. You can't rest for worrying about breaking something. Hello? And not only that, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath too. You know what Jesus is saying? Watch this now. I'm going somewhere. In John 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. That means Jesus did the creating. So how do you know the word was Jesus? Because in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and dwelled among us. You know what Jesus is saying? You dummies, I'm the one gave you the Sabbath. That's Alabama translation. You're trying to tell me, you're trying to tell me what we can do on the Sabbath? I'm the one that instituted the Sabbath. Not only do I have power to forgive sins, not only am I Lord, I'm Lord of the Sabbath too. You see what he's doing? He's trying to get them to understand who he truly is and how far they had truly fallen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And then he proves a point. This is it. This is it. He goes into the synagogue on purpose. And there's a man with a withered hand. He's crippled in his, in his hand. And he uses this as an opportunity to really Push them into a corner. He said, let me, come here, son. Come here, son. He's standing in front of Jesus. Now he looks at all these people that's been accusing Jesus of breaking the Sabbath and breaking the laws and breaking their traditions that they're so mad about. And by the way, when it comes to medical procedures and all that, on the Sabbath day, you were only allowed to perform whatever would keep somebody alive. In other words, if somebody broke their arm, that wasn't, that was an impending death, so they had to wait till the next day to be treated. That's how bad it was. That's how such a lack of common sense was. Are y'all with me? 
And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. They ain't no, how could they be so, how could they be so cruel? How could they be so foolish? How could they not have such common sense? Well, let me ask you a question. If a lost kid comes in here with a hat on, wouldn't it be common sense to say, hey, I'm just glad he's here. So before we're so cruel and critical to these guys, we might want to look in the mirror. Y'all with me? So he, he has this guy come. I'm almost done. I know y'all fidgeting now. I'm almost done. And, this, and he says, hey, let me ask you a question. Is it good to heal this man on the Sabbath or evil to heal this man on the Sabbath? And they didn't answer him. They couldn't. And the Bible says, watch this now. The Bible says that Jesus looked on them with anger, fury. Why was Jesus so mad? Why was Jesus so angry? Watch this now. This is going to make so much sense. There's another time. There's another time that we see Jesus angry. He is so angry that he makes his own whip. And he starts flipping tables and taking a whip and driving people out. Are y'all with me? Remember that the next time you ask, what would Jesus do? (laughs) Bless God, he'd get a whip. Amen. That's what he would do. Now watch. Why was he so angry? You see, the Jews who were supposed to be a witness and a, a group of people that pointed people to God. The Jews were supposed to be the avenue that brought the rest of the world and pointed to the true God. Here in the temple, the only place that Gentiles could come to God and worship, the Jews had piled it up with a flea market. And because of their traditions, they were keeping people from getting to God. That's why Jesus was so angry. Why was Jesus so angry at these scribes? Because they cared more about their traditions than the condition of this poor man with a crippled arm. Preacher, what are you saying? Let me give you the application. This is number three, and we're done. And I'm going to just give it to you because we're out of time. First of all, in your notes, mercy is more important than ritual. Say that with me. Say it again. And, and I want to use the, the modern day application. You know, this, this kid with his hat on, it was more important for him to hear about Christ and know how to get saved than it was whether he had a hat on in a building. Can we all agree on that? Throughout this whole chapter, that's what Jesus was trying to get across, that the mercy. Why did, why did God allow David and them to eat that bread? Because mercy was more important than ritual. Guys, we that have been saved forever, in a long time, it's so easy to get caught up in our own routine and ritual and our own likes and dislikes and preferences. 
and, and then to label them as convictions and then expect everybody else to do what we do. We need to use some common sense. I'm not saying go against your, your, your conscience or go against your own conviction. I'm just saying use some common sense. Mercy is more important than ritual. Say it again. And the most important thing that Jesus is trying to say, he is Lord. He is Lord. Everybody. He is Lord. He's Lord. Now what happened? At the end of all of this, this is what they did. We have got to get rid of this guy. Why was it so important for them to destroy Jesus? Because Jesus was a threat to their way of life. And all God's people say it. Amen. 